Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. Chris Kirk, Todd Mitten here, and we have a guest today that I want to introduce, but first, how are you doing today, Chris? Great, Todd. Glad good, to be here. Good to see you. Yep. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be in your company. <laughs> well, I, I realize that, but you don't have to bring that up to the listeners. Uh, so this is kind of exciting. We have a, a guest today who's a, a longtime friend of mine, a longtime Kansas City pilot, but a, a fascinating background to include military flying, airline flying, general aviation, and now a businessman in the aviation world. So Craig Wilcox, welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. Thank you, Todd. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate you uh, coming out and talking to us because I think uh, I think our listeners are going to find you interesting. And and you know you're not a guy that slows down. You retired from uh, Southwest Airlines, and we'll talk about all that in a little bit. You retired recently, and and we're super excited this project that you're uh, a key member of now, uh, Arrowhead Air Park. So I'm anxious to talk to you about that today and and learn more about uh, your airport housing development here in the Kansas City area. And so I think, uh, uh, but I, I really think it's important because I've known you a long time and I just, you have such an interesting and varied background. You grew up here in the Kansas City area, right? I did. And did you learn to fly here initially many years no, ago? No, I, uh, I should have, but I wasn't a very smart teenager, so... I didn't really pursue it. To me, flying was like being an astronaut or sure. a star quarterback in the NFL. It was just such a dream that was so out there that uh, I just didn't ever think it was possible. But I always wanted to be a pilot. And if you'll allow me to tell a short story, uh, it's my high school counselor that actually made really? this happen. Uh, I went in my senior year at the beginning. And he said, well, Craig, what, what do you want to do with your life? What, you know, you're going to go to college? Where are you going to be in a few years? Well, you know, I'm just a dumb teenager, kind of <laughs> all thrust, no rudder. And uh, I said, gosh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll try to go to college. And he said, well, uh, how will you pay for that? Because I'm looking at your records, and an academic scholarship is out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I said, well, my parents, my parents probably probably can help me a little bit, but you know, not not a whole lot. And I said, but I did get this postcard from Air Force ROTC the other day, and I guess they have scholarships. And this counselor, instead of saying, oh, that's nice, well, why don't you give them a call and come back to me if you have any questions? Instead, he reached down, opened his drawer, pulled out a Rolodex. You're old enough. I know you know what that I is. I do know. I do know. Pulled out a phone card for the colonel in charge of the uh, ROTC program down at MU in Columbia. Wow. Called the colonel on the spot. Of course, I'm sitting back there going, no, wait, wait. I'm not, I'm not sure. I just, just you know, I'm, I don't know. Uh, he, he didn't have time for any of that. He, uh, he arranged a meeting for that Saturday with the colonel, and I went down and Found out, gosh, they'll pay for my school and make me a pilot. I mean, what could be better than that? Wow. So that's how it all kind of started. Now, I had speed bumps along the way. I uh, didn't get into pilot training immediately. But, yeah, I didn't do any flying training until I was actually on active duty in the Air Force. And then uh, and then you started flying. Where would you go to pilot training? 
uh, Williams in Phoenix. Oh, hey, there's among the closed Air Force bases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was probably a good deal, though. Uh, Willie, as it was known, was. Uh, oh yeah. Did you have fun at pilot training? And you were? Did you realize when you got there and got involved in this? And man, I am. I I really like this, and I'm glad I chose this career. Yes, and actually, uh, like I said, I didn't get into pilot training immediately. I. Uh, I was in college, and once again, I was not an academic uh, wizard. So uh, when they had to cut back because the Vietnam War ended, and they had to cut a bunch of pilot right, slots, right. Uh, I was on the chopping block. So I did not get a pilot slot out of college. So I was a radar controller for three years mm. in Tucson first. I forgot about that. How about and that? I, yeah. I, I honestly think that may have been a, a gift uh, in disguise because. When I did get into pilot training, after three years, I did not take anything for granted. I knew how valuable it was and how privileged I was to get wow. to do that. Where if I would just gone right out of college, I don't think my attitude would have been quite as mature. That's... Uh, so, But yeah, by the time I got to pilot training, I, I already had my private license from flying little airplanes uh, in the Aero Club okay. in Tucson. And then uh, did well enough in pilot training to get an F-111. I uh, definitely wanted fighters by the time I got that far and uh, had a ball, but I, I kind of wish I'd dialed it back about 10% and had a little more fun because I was into the books and, you know, so uh, focused on doing well that I think I could have had more fun and maybe even done better if I just lightened up a little bit, but, but it was still great. What, what pilot training class were you in? Uh, 80... 8201. 8201. No, okay. I, t I did it backwards. 8102. 8102. 8102. Yeah. That was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and you were uh, a 111 guy for a period of time, and, and then I know you went on to another airframe from that, F-15Es, right? Correct. Were you initial cadre in that? Am I wrong I, on that? No, you, you remembered correctly. Yeah. So there were... Uh, I believe it was 20 pilots uh, nationwide that were selected to go and start the, the new Strike Eagle. And so very it's, felt very lucky to get to do that. It's kind of fascinating because right off the bat, you know, you're talking about being uh, academic, not the, you know, <laughs> not the, but you obviously at some point matured in life and said, well, even if I'm not immediately, I'm going to study hard enough to be <laughs> one of the top guys because I don't think they'd have selected you if you were just another I mean that's a that's pretty neat that uh, that you got to do that. How long did you fly that airplane? I flew that uh, almost seven years. Wow! And I flew the F one eleven about eight years. Yeah, yeah, and then and you retired at fifteen years or something uh, seventeen, like that. 17 years. years. Uh -huh. It was one of those deal, good deals kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Turned out to be a pretty good deal. Early retirement. And, uh, and, well, and, and were you flying general aviation some then while you were in the Air Force also, or just kind no, of? No, I actually uh, I, 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 I was so busy doing the Air Force active duty yeah. that I just didn't really have the time, and uh, so it wasn't until I retired that I started renting airplanes again and kind of getting back into it. And then right. uh, in my Southwest career, I finally got to a point where I could purchase an airplane, so I bought my Bonanza about eighteen years ago. Okay. And I still have that. It's out in the hangar just, yeah. mm -hmm. just a couple that's, hundred yards away. That's my uh, one of my tie-ins with Craig was getting to fly his Bonanza. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and what fun that has been. And uh, I, I miss flying it, honestly. But uh, 
So, uh, what year were you hired at Southwest? Uh, 1996. 1996. And uh, you had a long career then, 20... 24 years. 24 years. We got a... Uh, well, we'll save Craig's last Southwest trip for when we talk uh, in a moment here about some other things Craig's done. You had a great Finney flight at the at the. Airline. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah on, really, on landing. Yeah, yeah and, uh, just a great, great story that we'll have to get into. Uh, so... Then you uh, you got your final Southwest and started getting back into general aviation. Got your bonanza. What were you doing with your bonanza over that time? Just kind of having fun, taking little trips. Or we uh, actually lived in Arizona for my first uh, ten years with Southwest, and I always wanted uh, to live on an air park. And there was one up north called Mogollon Air Park. Uh, that had a long paved runway and you're up in the pine trees in the high mm. country of Arizona. So really, really nice. But I, I used to joke, uh, you remember the, that song from years ago, uh, Living La Vida Loca? Mm-hmm. Well, I was living La Vida Captain. So I was a, a first officer, <laughs> but trying to live the captain lifestyle. So I, I had a house in the valley and then uh, we bought a, a cabin up at that air park. Because that's all we could afford was one of the cheapest properties up there. But it allowed me to go up there in the summer and escape the heat. And then eventually I got my airplane and had, uh, or didn't have to rent anymore. I could actually fly up there. And so How far outside of Phoenix? It's about a three-hour drive or a 45-minute flight. Oh, really? Yeah, so not bad at all flying. And Phoenix sits at about 1,000 feet. MSL and this air park was at 6,600. So oh, wow. a significant difference in temperature. And yeah. That's one of the reasons I bought the Bonanza because yeah. I needed horsepower. Sure. You know, the 172, there were days when it couldn't take off up there because the density altitude got so high. Yeah. Uh, so you've, uh, then you moved back to Kansas City. Uh, what year was that? That was uh, 2006. 2006. Is that when you moved to Smithville then? Yes. And where you are currently? Yes. Okay. When we uh, moved from Phoenix, because by then I was into general aviation pretty pretty heavy and having my own airplane and the air park and everything, so there were no air parks here that were really available. We needed to live close to town for family reasons. And uh, so I tried to buy land where I could either have a house or build a house and have a little grass strip, you know, that every airline pilot's dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I just, I couldn't put all the, the factors together. It was either too far away or the land was unsuitable or it was out of our price range or the house was junk. So we ended up buying in Smithville, very nice property, very nice house, but you can land maybe a helicopter there, but that's about <laughs> it. It's, it's very hilly and lots of trees. So... It occurs to me that a lot of your life ends up foreshadowing something later in life, you know, I mean, because flying fighters, you pro- and you probably, one of the things you really enjoyed was formation flying. We'll talk about that, but then, uh, and then you had an air park years ago, and now here you are in the development of an air park. So uh, interesting how, yeah. how, you know, you've kept that consistent uh uh, thought process over the years. Uh, you know, and, and this, if I can say that this airport community that you, you're developing is interesting because, um, you know, as you well know, 
there's, I don't think that there's a decent air park community in this metro area. Uh, there's a few of them, and there's there's some that are nicer than others, but they're not what I would call viable or worth investing money in a house that I thought I could probably sell down the road. You know, it's uh, unlike uh, Phoenix or Dallas or Chicago or Denver, where there's high population density of pilots with the income to do that. We don't have that here, by and large. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested in how that's going to tie into what you guys are doing because you guys are you guys are developing something that is going to be, uh, I think, an investable property that uh, is not going to turn into a uh, an RV storage uh, location down the road. So, yeah, that's our goal. Uh, one of the primary features of this development will be the paved runway because right. there are several air parks in the area and in Missouri and Kansas. Uh, pretty much they're all 2,600 feet grass strips mm -hmm. or shorter. And that means in weather like this, the airport's closed. And it might stay closed for a month because the ground gets soggy and you just, you just can't uh, fly off of it. So the runway, you know, puts it a notch above right. other mm -hmm. airport properties. This will be the only paved air park in pretty much the Kansas City area, you know, uh, Wichita has Stearman, right. but that's pretty much the closest one. Poplar Grove in Illinois, Troy Air Park over by St. Louis, those are others, but there's nothing here. So we hope to be the first, and uh, to match that long runway and, uh, uh, you know, having it paved where it's usable year-round, we're going to create it where it's as upscale as possible. So. Uh, you know, high-end homes, uh, nice landscaping, nice uh, curb appeal, fencing, security, kind of the whole package. Uh, because we want people to go in instead of saying, oh, it's a bunch of hangars and a runway. We want them to drive in and go, wow, this place is incredible. Almost like a, almost like a country club uh, with, a, I mean, a great golf course, which people can see is the the center of the country of the not the i mean a, a home a development built around a, a golf course you know people see the golf course is the center and in your case you want the airport to be yes there. yes and that's a really good analogy is you know country clubs are obviously uh, upscale and people want to build there and they build there because they want to golf every day well we're going to have a runway where people can fly every day and but still have that upper level aesthetic uh, where like you say it, it retains value and, and we appeal to a wider audience now we we kind of got on the subject of uh, Arrowhead Air Park and I do want to but I'm not done I, I, Craig won't talk much about himself but I want to talk about <laughs> about before we get because sorry for so getting you off your, track there what's your general <laughs> aviation background and I got to tell you that Craig had uh, uh, a had started a general aviation formation club in this area, the Beach Nuts. And for some of our listeners may know that uh, if you go to Oshkosh, there's, uh, there's groups that fly in in a formation type of a scenario so they can all park together at Oshkosh. Well, you started... Uh, one for this area, a, a formation training club, so that pilots could be comfortable and checked out, qualified to fly in formation to Oshkosh. 
and and you came up. I don't know who came up saying beach nuts, but it was that maybe you? But uh, uh, talk about the beach nuts and your how you started that and where where that formation flying organization sure, sure. is right now. Uh, before I forget, I'll give Jack Letts uh, credit for the name. Uh, sharp guy and a longtime Beach Nuts member. Right. Uh, so I got my bonanza when I lived in Phoenix, and I flew it there for about two or three years and went back and forth to the air park. I gave my friends rides. Would, family would visit. We'd go out and fly to Sedona or something, fly to Flagstaff. I did some charity flights. Uh but I, I kind of was done because in our case, we don't like fly to the Bahamas or Mexico like some people do at sure. Kansas. So it was all pretty much just me and local flying. Moved back to Missouri and, uh, well, the weather's not as good here, so I couldn't fly as much. I didn't have an air park to go to. And I was actually kind of kind of on my way out of general aviation. And then I heard about this Bonanzas to Oshkosh. And this is a group that started... Over 30 years ago, I can't remember the exact year, but uh, I think this year will be our 33rd year going. So we're the granddaddy of the large formation arrival, and I found about it online and checked into it a little bit and uh, and flew it. The first flight I did, I took my father in the right seat, which was kind mm -hmm. of a cool thing, and just loved every minute of it. And it's not so much the formation, that's obviously a cool part, but it's the it's the whole overall experience and then camping with these other 130 airplanes. Camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's definitely a, a social event with a really cool formation event thrown in too. So I, I really jumped into this with both feet and was really glad I kept the airplane. And uh, we generally require any Bonanza pilot who wants to fly in this event to go to a formal clinic because otherwise you can get people who think they have a lot better formation skills than they do. And while I won't say formation flying is dangerous, it, it can be if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. there's, there's just some certain elements of it with closure and overtake and how to handle an overshooting rejoin, things like that, where you have to know what to do. Uh, so... We have clinics all over the country during the springtime to qualify people every year to do the Bonanza to Oshkosh flight. So after about three years of attending clinics and going to Oshkosh, I volunteered to run a clinic, and that was in 2009. And I think I had maybe five pilots show up, and uh, I had to call and get like safety pilots to come in from other places because we didn't have enough experience to to even run the clinic and but it went okay and uh i did it next year and then we started doing it twice a year because we realized a lot of us wanted to fly more advanced formation and do foreship so ever since about 2010 we've been running two clinics a year and and that's so now we're in our 12th or 13th year of that we're going to have our next clinic at the end of april and I think we've got about 25 signed up. Our largest wow. clinic has been uh, nearly 40 now. And we've had uh, Mooney pilots and Cirrus pilots. So even if they're not going to fly in the Bonanzas to Oshkosh, our training is still mm -hmm. really Relevant good. Relevant to all. Yeah. yeah. And 
the Beach Nuts group, after we held a, a clinic or two, we, the Kansas City locals, we all kind of looked at each other and said, well, that was fun. What are you doing next weekend? Well, let's, let's get together and fly to, you know, Miami County, get some mm -hmm. barbecue. So we started doing local formation, and then somebody at Overland Park saw us fly in for a little uh, fly-in thing over there and said, hey, would you guys like to fly for the American Royal Parade? Well, yeah, maybe. And they said, oh, and we'll pay you. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, wow. You got have my this kind of fun? So we started doing that, and uh, we had a, a great year. I can't remember exactly which year it was, but it was the uh, sequestration. Do you remember that? Where all the military yes, flyovers yes. kind of went away for a, a summer. And so they started calling on civilian groups. And uh, we did uh, a Royals game. We did uh, scouting jamboree at the Speedway. Uh, we did three KU games and earned a fair amount of money for our hobby, which was just awesome. And uh, kind of eye-opening. Yeah, honestly. yeah. Did now, of course, now the military is flying again, so the gigs have kind of. But I uh, think that it's away, still, it's still uh, a good group it, and a lot of fun. And it's still some of that. It's become more more accepted that you know people like even that kind of a of a fly over you know general aviation frankly it's, it's pretty on uh, pretty impressive it, you know those listener our listeners are in most cases in many cases pilots aircraft owners and i think they'd be like oh that's cool to watch those you know eight bonanzas going over all that nice uh, continental yeah. horsepower and so i've got to ask if you have sign-offs is it fair to say that some people don't qualify you don't sign them off that's completely fair to say yes and they might be Excellent pilots to fly a single ship and go IFR to Des Moines or something. Uh, but we've had pilots who are doing an element takeoff where your leader is only like 50 feet away on the runway. And they're adjusting their engine and tweaking their throttle while they're doing a takeoff roll right next to another airplane. And we have to counsel them harshly that... <laughs> There's nothing in the cockpit you need to look at. You need to look at lead and only at lead when you're in close formation. Some of them get it, and they go on, and they're qualified, and others, two or three flights in a row, we just tell them, find a different hobby. Yeah. And perhaps fly to Oshkosh, single ship. <laughs> Do the rip on fisk, because uh, they, just, they just don't get it. Yeah. I was so impressed when I attended my first clinic, the way it was, because it's run... You know, and you would appreciate this as a as a former T thirty eight instructor pilot, and the way you debrief, and the way you, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's not a big congratulatory. Everyone's fessing up to what they you know they screwed right. up, and uh, you know we're not here to patty at the end. You know, hey, good job, but but it's not a big uh, like let's all self congratulate one another and skip over the mistakes that were made. It's actually pretty. Uh, it's, it can be kind of intense, you know, at times. It's certainly, the flying can be intense. You know, I as, as Pat, long-time listeners know, I was a career navigator, not a pilot, so in the in the military, so I didn't learn formation flying hands-on. I'm out there learning it in Craig's Bonanza, and, uh, uh, you know, it's gives you a lot of respect for people who do it well because yeah. it's, it's a challenge. But uh, our listeners, if you own a Bonanza or, or even Mooney or serious or whatever how can they how could they be part of the clinic or an upcoming clinic how can they learn more about the beach nuts as far as uh getting in touch with someone or i would say uh just contact me directly so let's do it through the arrowhead air park 
email address so we don't sure well, and we'll give that out here yeah, in a while but uh, uh, but yeah I'm happy to talk to anybody and uh, or just go online and search for formation clinics because some are tailored towards cabin class aircraft like a Bonanza or a Mooney others are appropriate for RVs smaller more maneuverable planes mm -hmm. and you know they don't necessarily play well together the performance difference is enough where you should kind of fly with the same type aircraft. Sure. And and the clinic, uh, the Beach Nuts Clinic, twice a year is, is held at St. Joseph, Missouri. So, Thanks to you. Well, I, well <laughs> Perfect please, location. Please. No, that, was a, that was a great, uh, it is a great spot. They're, the airport up there, everyone loves it, you know. And there, it's so cool if you have a large clinic, doing a, the, there's always a graduation exercise and a bunch of airplanes. First of all, just the engines running on the ramp is enough to go up there just to listen to. I mean, I kid you not, it's fantastic. And then, and then, all these airplanes taking off in a formation gaggle, and and yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a sight to see. And the local people now in St. Joe have gotten used to seeing it. Oh yeah, those guys are flying again. And I have people tell me about it. Yeah, I saw you guys. Uh, you know, they they like it up there. Yeah, for our big Sunday morning finale, either the uh, Bonanzas to Oshkosh mini flight like the practice flight or for the advanced clinic the showcase flight we try to overfly the city yes on at least one of our legs to let everybody take a look if you don't mind i would like to take a moment and go back to the debrief thing you were talking yes, about of course. how it can be a little intense in a clinic uh i had to tailor my uh, management of a clinic and management of formation training a little bit because Coming from the Air Force <laughs> and coming from a fighter pilot background, it's pretty much there is no gray. Everything right. is black and white. Yeah. Everything is very strict, very disciplined. And, uh, you know, if you're 30 seconds late for the briefing, the door's closed to see you. Well, I had to realize early on that I'm not dealing with other fighter pilots. I'm dealing with civilians who didn't go through the military. They don't quite understand that discipline and structure. And if I'm too strict and I'm too much of a, a taskmaster, then they'll take their airplane and I won't have anybody to play with. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned to uh, mellow out just a little bit. We need obviously enough discipline to keep it safe. Right. But not so much that it feels like work or that, yeah. you know, or it's. <clears throat> so I came up with a motto that I use all the time. And it's got three parts, and you have to do them in order. And the first part is fly safe. So if you're not doing it safely, I don't want you on my wing. I don't want to be on your wing. You know, we're just having fun here, so mm -hmm. let's fly safe. Well, the second part is have fun. So if you're flying safe, but you're not having fun because you're so uncomfortable, then you're either too close, and you need to back it out a little bit, or perhaps another hobby is best. Mm -hmm. The last priority for me is to look good. Now that may sound odd because obviously that's, oh, we gotta look good, we're doing an air show, we're doing a flyover. No, because if you're looking real good and flying super tight, but you're not having fun because it's so much work and you're so stressed, I don't want you on my wing because you'll have too much muscle tension, your, your head won't be into it, and it becomes unsafe. So fly safe, have fun, look good in that order. And I, I foot stop that through every phase of the clinic because I see some people 
trying to push others too hard. Hey, right. you're, you're two feet too wide. Get in there, get in there, get in there. And I'm like, just just back off a second. He's not comfortable there yet. Well, our, our mutual friend... Pete Rouse uh, was proud of me when I was flying within the same zip code. <laughs> oh, he's got a kick out of Pete. Uh, he, uh, Pete likes that stuff, and, and Pete's a good formation pilot, too. Uh, it's just fun. It is fun. It's rewarding, and it's challenging, and, and the group as a whole. Well, I just got to go to dinner, you know, at the yeah. end of the end. I mean, it's people just have uh, a... You know, a great at they they feel like they've accomplished something. I feel like yeah. occasionally a guy feels, man, I just didn't have down <laughs> for the day. But most people, by the time you're having dinner, are like, hey, I'm ready to go again tomorrow. Well, and everybody's gone through that process. Yes, and it's a whole new skill set. Uh, something I compare it to is my my tail dragger training. I'd never flown a tail wheel airplane until I had about twenty thousand hours of nose wheel airplane flying. Man, is it different. I tried yeah. to learn in a decathlon, and it was like I was learning how to fly all over again. Mm -hmm. Now, in two or three flights, I started to pick it up and you know, mm -hmm. make such horrible corrections. Mm -hmm. uh, but formation flying is kind of like that. It the is, first yeah, couple of flights, you just you just feel terrible. You're like, man, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. Two more flights, you're like, yeah, I'm ready to solo. It's it's cool. I appreciate your debrief comments because <laughs> being, being an Air Force guy, we used to have a, an instructor. And, you know, it was a little bit of a challenging formation sort of, he'd walk in and in his most intimidating voice, you know, he'd say, all right, check your guns and knives at the door. It's going to be a rough debrief. And uh, <laughs> you know, that's not necessarily going to translate real well to the uh, civilian sector. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, you mentioned tailwheel flying. You had a, uh, a legitimate reason to get checked out in a tailwheel airplane and, that is because you eventually bought uh, an RV-8 and uh, started flying a Vans RV-8 in formation flying here. You want to talk about, tell us a little about that. Sure, great segue. Uh, That's why Chris pays, well, he doesn't pay me, but uh, if he did. He, <laughs> he pays, gets a good title. Yeah. That's right. So I had my Bonanza at uh, the Clay County Airport, right? Uh, GPH, and... Which, by the way, Todd's a bigwig at that airport now. He is. He's well, a, he's a he's kind of a bigwig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, come on, just, folks, just please, please. We're not talking about me. <laughs> well, we can. No. <laughs> so, uh, my friend Kent Yoey uh, was from Southwest Airlines. Uh, had an RV for uh, it was the Rocket version, the Harman okay, Rocket, yeah. and he'd given me a ride in it, and it was really cool. And I knew he flew with this group here called KC Flight. Mm -hmm. And they did the uh, that huge flyover in 2013 for the mm -hmm. uh, the Chiefs football game, right. and I think it was 49 airplanes set a record. Well, that kind of got the juices flowing, and I kind of really wanted to do that. He kept bugging me, "Hey, sell that Bonanza, get an RV. You need to fly with us. You need to fly with us." Well, I didn't want to sell a Bonanza. You know, the beach nuts were fun. Oshkosh was fun, but uh, Dr. Owen, who you know, John Owen. Right. Uh, had an RV-8 about three hangers down from me at the Clay County Airport. And I always admired it, but I couldn't talk him into giving me a ride. He was a little uncomfortable with a heavy backseater. I'm a full-sized man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn until I flew that airplane what a difference it makes. It does to have make a, a big difference, yes. Some weight in the back. But anyway, 
I heard through the grapevine he might be selling it. So uh, I approached him and he made me an offer and we worked it out. And a few months later, I had an RV-8 and went over to KC Flight and said, hey, here I am with my new airplane. Uh, let me fly with you. And they're like, yeah, who are you? You know, you're a bonanza <laughs> guy. I don't know. And uh, Anyway, we, we warmed up to each other and uh, ended up uh, flying with him for the past several years and uh, about seven years, I think now. And Man, uh, I, I led a uh, 24 ship of RVs at Oshkosh on a, a flyover mm -hmm. a few years ago. Wow. And we've done uh, lots and lots of paid air shows. We're semi-pros. Right. So we actually do it for commercial purposes. And we've flown down at the Lake Air Show. We've flown football games, Royals games. You guys got uh, Thunder Louis over Louisville. Louisville, yeah. Yeah, uh, Milwaukee Air and Water Show. Uh, you guys ever do any private events? Like somebody's having a birthday or a wedding we or, do. or something like that? We do. Uh, we do lots of charity events, too. You know, like yeah. there's a fundraiser. Uh, sorry, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's like a veterans charity event. We've overflown that. Uh, we've done high school football games. You know, we go all the way from a four ship up to a 12 ship. Mm -hmm. uh, we do quite a few missing man formations. If somebody calls up and said, hey, this, you know, this World War II veteran passed away, and we'd sure like a missing man flyover at his burial. We'll, we'll make it happen. And of course, that's, that's all free. Uh, we did, uh, for several years, uh, Orshelin right. land, uh, Farm and Home uh, Stores were our main sponsor, and they had a company party out in Marshall, Missouri. And so we used to go out there and do big flyovers. And, <laughs> So it's a what like I said, it's uh, semi-pro. The beach nuts are amateur, <laughs> right? And and I was going to ask, and I think you kind of just answered the question there about the difference. You mentioned when you showed up, and there was a little skepticism. Yeah, you know, they didn't know your background probably real well. And I go, well, "Who are you?" But uh, uh, attitude-wise, uh, is it is it a different attitude with the uh, KC flight guys? I mean, is a little more. I. I'm not sure I'd use the word attitude. It, there's definitely two very different clubs. Uh, I think KC Flight is more uh, focused on the air show side of things, where the beach nuts are more, we're just out having fun flying right. together. Which, But that includes flyovers and right, so on. Right, and it's, it's not denigrating either club no, no. or their focus. But yeah, we're, uh, we're a, a bit more strict in... KC flight, you know, if somebody's a foot out, we have to fix it mm -hmm. because people are paying us to, to look good and mm -hmm. fly these shows. The routines are uh, much more involved because the airplanes are much more maneuverable. So we'll actually do flyovers where we split up into two different flights and then we'll take turns going over the crowd and airplanes will pop off of one formation and rejoin on the other one. And it's very dynamic. Right, yeah, right. Cool. I, I mean, it is. It's well done, and you know, because of your involvement with both clubs, it's it's brought the two together for a lot of work together over the years. Yeah, so, yeah. Know, a mix of airplanes, and and I think, I think again with the maneuverability, the RV8 and so on, it works pretty well, doesn't it? Well, and it, that was actually born of necessity. We had a few events where we could only cobble together maybe four RVs and. 
I said, well, it's, it's just a flyover for, I think one of them was a uh, KU homecoming. And it was during COVID, so it was there wasn't even a football game. It was virtual. Oh my! <laughs> but but they had us fly over the uh, the uh, the stadium area, mm-hmm. and we couldn't get quite enough RVs to really look like we wanted it to. And since there was no maneuvering, we added four or five bonanzas, and now it looked like this big gorilla flying over. <laughs> this huge formation with lots of noise and smoke. And well, I can say this because I'm a really KU well. grad and you're a KU grad, but there's probably more airplanes in the sky than there were people in the stadium. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny because I had the same thought. Well, even, even the airplanes don't want to show up. Yeah. Well, and, and because I you know, have a foot in both uh, clubs, uh, we have a, another business I'm involved in, uh, if you don't mind me No, no, in. I mean, see, this is the whole point. This is why <laughs> okay. I wanted to have you come and talk and why I think our listeners find you to be a, an interesting person. Because this business, the whole ask, we briefly touched on the air park, we'll get back to that, but you're involved in several businesses, so go ahead. So the other business is called uh, Carriage Houses of Johnson County, and uh, it's a garage condominium business where people buy garage units in larger buildings within a development and it's very upscale and it's very nice and has a clubhouse and it's mainly for car nuts you know people who buy classic cars like to rebuild them and this got started from a bunch of southwest pilots because we're pilots so we know everything well yes i mean so obviously we're always good investors (laughs) obviously we know how to develop real estate (laughs) so this development's out uh just east of desoto kansas and it was ten and a half acres we've sent since bought another eight acres to the east uh but it was uh a bunch of pilots from southwest airlines and Three of us were in the same crash pad, and it took me about a year and a half to get on board because I'd just moved here and didn't quite have the finances to join the rest of the group, but eventually they they brought me in, mainly because I heard about it every time I spent a night at the crash pad and bending my arm a little bit, but uh, that has developed and gotten to be quite big, and we've done an actual air show over the property for it's at least been five years. And because I'm in both clubs, I bring both uh, the Beach Nuts and KC Flight into perf- to perform over the carriage houses at the car show. And uh, what we do is we come in together as you know, like a 18 ship gorilla, and then we split up. And the the Beach Nuts just kind of do a big lazy racetrack in different formations, and the RVs will do a more dynamic show on the east side of the complex. And, Everybody loves it. Yeah, it's uh, that's a real perk for people that yeah, also yeah. invest out there and have to have. Neat. It's a neat, uh, neat concept. Uh, I think that you guys have. Yeah, and so Todd, can I? What I'd like to do here is I would like to go ahead and close this out, um, and then let's bring Craig back on a second podcast to talk about. Arrowhead Air Park, okay. because we, we alluded to that at the beginning as a, a bait, because, that, <laughs> because that's we, we would like to hear more about Arrowhead Air Park, but just in respect to the, uh, the listener's time, let's go ahead and close this one out. We'll bring you right back, so just stay tuned for, for the next podcast edition with Craig Wilcox here. Uh, so again, thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. You can check us out at flywildblue.com. 
Uh, our number is 888-773-4249, and, and uh, we're just very grateful that you listen to us. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.